Welcome to the Ghost of the Orange Bowl. I'm Jay Rao. Our guest is used to being the center of attention. For four years, he was the starting center at the University of Miami from 1979 to 1982, and he was the team captain snapping the ball to future Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly. Today, you can hear him on the radio color uh, broadcasts, uh, working alongside Joe Zagaki on 560 WQAM. Welcome to our show, Don Bailey Jr. Don, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jay. Glad to be here. Don, you literally have Orange Bowl DNA running through your veins. <laughs> I mean, before you were even born, your dad played at the Orange Bowl as a high school player. Which high school did he attend? He, he graduated from Miami Edison. And I remember, you know, hearing those stories before I even got into high school. We're talking about the, right. the great days of the Orange Bowl and how uh, everybody in the city of Miami would come down and watch Edison play Miami High or Gables or however it was, but they said they would fill it up for high school games back then. Wow. I mean, what what are your memories growing up in Miami, and do you remember the first time you actually set foot in the Orange Bowl? Yeah, I do. I I, I have an approximation of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I, I would say I remember my first Dolphin game. Mm -hmm. I remember going to that, wow. and then uh, going to the University of Miami game actually – um, one of my first appearances there was when I was being recruited. So it was the uh -huh. year before that I was uh, came in in 79. So it was in the 78 season. I remember mm. going there and I, I remember, you know, thinking about this is where I want to play my college football. I was impressed then as a, right. as a high school player. And then, of course, everybody loved going to see the Dolphins play. I, oh, you know, that would have been in the. I guess the mid seventies when I had gone down there for that. Right, right. Now you uh, played at a very high level of high school football. You you attended Hylia Miami Lakes mm -hmm. High School in the late seventies. Now at that time, Hylia Miami Lakes had a really good program. You played for Joe Brodsky, I think your sophomore and junior year, and then Mike Spensky your senior year. But your offensive line coach was also a legend, Walt Frazier, later coached at Carroll City. Talk yeah. about those years. You know. I think probably one of the greatest things that's happened to me in my life is that I have been around great coaches, mm. you know, whether it was uh, my father in business mm -hmm. or whether it was the high school coaches that you mentioned or my coaches at Miami or even in the NFL. But, you know, I went to HML and uh, as you mentioned, I was there. And the main reason I went was to play for Joe Brodsky. Mm -hmm. And he and my dad were uh, friends growing up and teammates when my dad was at Jackson before he transferred over to oh, Edison. Okay. And it was, uh, you know, that's where I was going to play high school football. And I, I, I had to go all the way from North Miami. We weren't, we didn't live in Miami Lakes at that right. time. So it was a heck of a trek every day. And I had him, um, you know, I played junior varsity football like everybody does in mm -hmm. the 10th grade. And then in the 11th grade, I was on, uh, on the team with, with uh, Larry Brodsky, his mm -hmm. middle son. And so Coach Brodsky left to go to University of Miami my junior year. And I go what am I going to do? I came here to go. I came here to go to school and play for him and he's not here. And lo and behold, Mikey Spensky took over. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, what's funny is I had the conversation with my dad. I said, dad, what are we going to do? I said, I came out here for this. He says, he says, he says, don't worry about it. He says it may work out for the better. And it really did. Uh, Mikey Spensky, who has just recently passed away in the last couple of years, right. turned out to be a, a huge impact in my life. And it was great to play for him. And, if uh, and then Walt Frazier, who came over to Miami Lakes, he had left Miami Northwestern. And what's crazy is that I kept in touch with both of those guys and I still keep in touch with Coach Frazier. I bet right. I bet two or three weeks don't go by a month in the last 
over 40 years that I haven't talked to those men. And they were, they were that impactful to me. And, and I was no different than anybody else. They impacted a, a, a bunch of young men's lives. But I, I was really grateful to go to Miami Lakes and had the experience there with Joe Brodsky and then, of course, Mike Uspinski and Walt Frazier. Well, not only did you have great coaches, you had some pretty good teammates, too. Like a couple of them went were at the University of Miami before you were there. Uh, David Jefferson and uh, Larry Brodsky, you mentioned. Yeah. And another teammate of yours, Jim Linus, I think. Uh, Jimmy you? Linus came. Uh -huh. he, he, came he came after me. Uh -huh. And then there was also, um, you know, you have John Fenton. There was a string uh -huh. and Fred Azarak. And, and if you I remember going into Coach Brodsky's office and. There was a string of maybe five or six captains mm -hmm. that at least one of the two captains and went to the University of Miami and and I kept that string alive and and wow. you know it was kind of a a pipeline that that highly Miami Lakes had built at that time and mm -hmm. and both Carroll City and Miami Lakes were big feeders to to um, to the University of Miami and a lot of that had to do with the the man that was recruiting both of those schools his name was Coach Arnie Romero and he oh. was uh, he did a heck of a job recruiting. Now, you're, you're talking about recruiting. You probably were recruited by several schools. Uh, mm -hmm. Who were some of the schools outside of Miami that were uh, looking to offer you a scholarship? Well, I took trips to Florida State, took mm -hmm. Florida, took trip to Auburn, and I had an opportunity to go to Minnesota, but I didn't think I was going to enjoy the cold <laughs> weather, so I, right. I turned that one down. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a very interesting time. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the crazy part of the story is, is that you know, no one really in, tried to influence me, whether it was Coach Frazier or Coach Uspensky. Now, Coach Brodsky was recruiting me with Arnie Romero at the University of Miami, so there was right. some influence there. But even my uh, father and, and mother at that time, they never, they never really said anything. And and I, it was uh, the day before signing day, uh -huh. and I remember being in uh, Coach Uspensky's office, and the coach uh, was on the phone from Auburn. He says, "You know, Don, we're going to come down. We want to sign you tomorrow." And, you know, this is 1979 or whatever it was. And I remember, put, I said, Coach, just hang on a second. So I remember putting it on hold, right? You remember that red hold button? Sure. And I hit the other button and I pick up the phone. I call my dad. At, and they got, he was at his, at, uh, at this flooring business. And I picked it up and I go, Dad, I says, the guy is on the phone from Auburn. Right. And, uh, and I says, I, you know, I, you know, and I, he could tell in my voice, I says, well, you know, what do I tell him? I says, you know, I got to make a decision on this deal because right. signing day's tomorrow. And he says, uh, he says, Don, First of all, who the heck can we sell a floor to in Auburn, Alabama? <laughs> so I said, that's, oh, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> the, 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 and he says, you tell that man when you're going to University of Miami. And I put, put press down the button and said, hey, coach, I'm sorry, I'm going to UM. And you know what? I just needed that little bit of, little bit of push. And it was by far, mm -hmm. without question, the best decision I ever made in my life. Every wow. single thing. Uh, that is important to me has come out of that University of Miami. Whether it was meeting my wife there, who I met when I was, I think, uh, you know, my, so my sophomore junior year, and all of my friends, all my relationships, all of my business, every everything. It was by far the best decision I ever made in my life. Wow. I mean, you were also taking a bit of a gamble because at that time, Miami was actually contemplating dropping football at mm -hmm. the time. And Howard Schnellenberger kind of sold you guys on a dream in 1979. And he he mentioned, uh, I remember watching the documentary, The You, where he said, uh, my goal is by the time these, these young men graduate, we're going to win a national championship. Did you guys actually believe that? I mean, believe that at the time? 
what he so, was telling you? So a lot of people have said that he was, was selling us a dream. Mm-hmm. We never thought it was a dream. We believed in him enough to where we knew it would be a reality. Mm-hmm. We trusted him. And we trusted the process. Now, I, I will tell you, not everybody did. Right. You know, there was there was uh, an exodus, as there always is in coaching changes, sure. right? But uh, he got the people there that believed in him and believed in his system, believed in the great assistant coaches. You know, I, I had Kim Helton, who was my offensive line coach there for, for four years, and I ended up playing for him in Tampa Bay for a year. And and we had – we he instilled the belief and all of his players and and the belief was was the correct thing we believed in him and it came true you know and, and people say it was a dream well no it was a reality to us because we lived it mm-hmm. you know it might have been a, a dream to the community but we lived it and and he made sure it was going to happen he was it was going to happen i don't know if it was going to happen in year three four five or ten or however long it would have taken but he would have made it happen now back in those days most re- uh, freshman recruits are usually redshirted. They don't, or they don't play hardly at all. Mm. But you were really thrust into the starting lineup later in the season against Penn State, and there was another guy who was thrust into mm. that game, playing right behind you, taking the snaps. Some guy named Jim Kelly. Talk about playing right away and being thrust into a game of that magnitude. Well, first of all, you know, it would have been nice if I would have been redshirted <laughs> if we had, right. but it didn't work out. You know, and it, and, but it did work out in the long run. What was it like is, you know, I knew I was going to start. Um, we played Syracuse the week before and John Fenton, who was in front of me, who was also a minor lakes nice. grad. Yeah. And he was hurt. So I had to finish that game out and it's my turn next. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling uh, Walt Frazier, my wow. high school coach. I said, coach, I'm starting next week. <laughs> And, you know, he walked me through it. He says, do you know your plays? I go inside now. He says, do you know your calls? I go inside now. And he says, just study your plays, study your calls. Don't break an assignment. And then, as I mentioned, Kim Helton was the offensive line coach. And he prepared you to start from the second you met him. Mm -hmm. Everything was done, no matter what, if you were first team or 10th team, that if you had to play, you were prepared. And that was the system that Coach Schnellenberger implemented as well. So when I got the nod, I mean, I, I knew I was going to start that week. Mm. Jim Kelly didn't know until game time. Right. You know, Coach came in and told Jim right before kickoff. And we just went out and did it. You know, I mean, it was uh, it was at Penn State. It was probably, to me, it was the – a lot of people will agree that it was the turning point mm. of the program forever was was that win because a month before now we lost to Florida AM. Right, right. So I mean that's a that's a big swing from losing to Florida AM and three or four weeks later going up to State College and beating Penn State. So uh we were ready and you know Jim set the world on fire and he gets he goes on and goes into the National Football League Hall of Fame, which by the way is no surprise. Wow. I mean, did you know at that time you were you were there for all the practices? You you played in front of Kelly all those years. Yeah. Did you see it from way back then that wow, this guy's really good? I mean, like he he's not just good. He's he could be one of the all-time greats. So yeah. what you see is, you know, first of all there had been a couple other quarterbacks that year, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you knew, you knew when he was in the huddle. 
the best way for me to answer that is no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, you knew you had a chance to win. Didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter if you were at Florida State and you were down by 14 or you were at home and, and you were down by 21. If Jim Kelly was in the huddle, mm-hmm. you had a chance to win. The combination of Jim Kelly and Howard Schnellenberger, and you got to remember Earl Morrill was a coach then and Gary Stevens, and the, the, the coaching staff was a who's who uh, of what went on in coaching for 30 years after that. But Jim was spectacular. He was a right. great leader. He He understood what his role was, and guys wanted to play for him. Meaning his offensive line wanted to protect him. And I mean, and we're raised to do that. You know, it's a, it's a, you don't let anybody touch the quarterback ever. And, right. and that was easy to do. And, and, they, and there were some other good guys there too. Now, now Mark mm-hmm. Rick did, Mark did a heck of a yeah. job. It was good to play with him. And, uh, but Jim Kelly to this day, um, I probably, truth be told, am more impressed with him with how he's handled his life after football than how he yeah. handled it with it. I understand the Hall of Fame is, is fantastic, but the the examples that he has set with the loss of his child and how he handled that and how he's given back to the community and how he was an example of, of fighting cancer mm. and, and giving people hope and being an inspiration. And he just never, ever stops to this second trying to be an inspiration and help people along the way. And you mentioned some of the other quarterbacks, Mark Rick, but by your senior year, a couple of true freshmen showed up by the name of Bernie Kosar and Vinny Testaverde, and they didn't play hardly at all. I think they, were, I think Bernie redshirted and Vinny maybe got a little bit of action near the end of the season. But could you tell that these guys also were going to be NFL caliber players? You could see that they were they were talented, yeah. but the way it really was said is if you were on that team being coached by Howard Schnellenberger, that you were going to be successful. Right. <laughs> I mean, there, there was, it, it wasn't that somebody was leaps and bounds better than anybody else, but his system, if you stuck with it and you trusted it, it would maximize your talents. But you could see Bernie was very, very intelligent. You could see that Vinny was athletic. And, and they ended up having fantastic careers, both of right. those guys. And, and to this day, you know, they're very, very, very grateful for Coach Schnellenberger and the University of Miami. You, you talk about uh, Coach Schnellenberger. Talk about the impact that, that that he had on your life, both as a football player and in your life today. It's hard for me to, you know, to talk about him without getting teary-eyed. You know, we lost him in the last yeah. year. And every day, yeah. something every day comes up where – you're faced with something and you can get through it or you can manage it or you understand it or you trust yourself because of him. I mean, it's just, and you can't put your finger on it. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, people, I said something after he had passed away, you know, people got, got, a bachelor's degree or graduated high school or they got a master's degree. And if you played for Howard and you got a doctorate in Schnellenberger, you got a chance. And he was, the thing about him is he was fair, Mm -hmm. but he would push you beyond any, push everybody, not an individual, but he would push everybody to the next level and the next level and the next level and the next level. And then, but he was just 
you can't describe them. I mean, mm -hmm. we can talk about them for weeks and I can give you a, a thousand stories and you can talk to every player and everybody's got their own story, but he found a place in your heart and he found a place in your mind and he found a place in your soul. Mm -hmm. And if you were with him, you don't know how to quit. You never quit. Well, we, we mentioned before that you played right away. You didn't redshirt. So you were one of the few players that actually got to see action as a true freshman. But one of the uh, the bad timing of it was you, you just missed out on that first national championship season. A lot of the guys that came in with you, like Jay Brophy, yep. Danny Brown, I think... Uh, um, oh, there's, there's Andy Bar and no, Andy didn't get one. Andy came Glenn out Dennison, Glenn Dennison, Tony yeah. Fitzpatrick, a lot of those guys yeah, those played are... on that 83 team and he just missed out on that. Any okay. regrets about that a little bit? Or... I mean, I would like to have gotten the rain, yeah. but I don't have one regret. I mean, yeah. I, those, I was a teammate with those guys. I, like I said, I, yeah. I met my wife there and my, it was my best friend and I mean, I'd like to have the ring, but I was as happy as for them as I was, you know, for, for, for anybody in the world, those were my guys. Right. I mean, that was, there was 80% of that, that group that was there, mm -hmm. you know, I knew and, and they're, they're fan, friends today. You know, I talked to Danny Brown and I talked to, to Tony Fitzpatrick. I mean, those were guys I ran around with and they're, they love our university of Miami. They, you know, they're very thankful for coach Schnellenberger, but uh, would I like the ring? Sure. I'd like <laughs> the ring. It would have, it would have been great, but I'm a part of, the University of Miami family, and I feel that I was helped accomplish that goal as much as anybody. Well, you had an awesome four years. You, you, you were part of a group that helped bring UM football back and really established the, the dynasty, I think. The 1981 team finished in the oh, top yeah. 10. You won the Peach Bowl game in 1980. And then by the end of your career, you got drafted by the Denver Broncos, I think, in the 11th round. Correct. But did you uh, did you spend a year in the USFL before the NFL? No, no, no. I went right from college to the NFL draft. But they, they mm -hmm. started. The USFL did ah, start yeah. that time. So your timing's right. So I was fortunate to be drafted. And that was a great experience. I learned a lot there and was able to get through three years in the National Football League, and it was a great experience. And you played for the very first Indianapolis Colts team, yeah. the team that had just moved from Baltimore after that long history over in Baltimore. What was that like playing in Indianapolis? Well, it was interesting. I mean, for me, first of all, I hate cold weather. I'm born and raised <laughs> Miami guy. At least so, you were indoors. Yeah, <laughs> we were indoors. And, uh, you know, I, I, I this, this town was great. Uh, I appreciated the opportunity. I uh, was at uh, Indiana, uh, Tampa Bay the year before that. I enjoyed being in Tampa Bay a little bit more than I did in Indianapolis, truth be told. But, you know, the, the fans were, were great. It was, uh, it was the NFL experience was, was special. You know, Frank Cush, who has a sure. heck of a reputation, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I had an opportunity to play for him. And, and I learned a lot of football and learned a lot about myself. And, you know, it was uh, the NFL is the NFL. I mean, you're at the top of your game and, you know, you kind of pinch yourself every day that you're there. Mm -hmm. And you and you played a couple of years in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. and you came back to Miami. I guess did you did you when did you start going into broadcasting? You know, I came back and I started in the flooring business with my family, mm -hmm. and I had the itch to be around football. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I didn't know if I wanted to take on the life of a. a a coach, you know, moving and moving and moving. Cause I love, I love, I'm born and raised Miami. I love the city of Miami. I love being here. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, well, you know, 
maybe the next best thing is to get into broadcasting. Mm -hmm. And I really, one of the classes that I took at Miami was public Uh speaking. And that was one that I excelled in. And I didn't think of it at the time. So I just kind of figured out how to do it. I went to, you know, some of the stations here in Miami and I wanted, uh, the first step was to, to start a radio show to get on the air. And I was, I went and I did that. And uh, on my own, we kind of orchestrated it. And then by chance, that station the next year got the rights to the University of Miami. So I kind of fell right into having an opportunity to work for the station mm. instead of sharing time and buying time and, and, and trying to make it happen on my own. And from that point on, it took off. And I think that was probably 25 years ago or thereabouts wow. when it, when I first got into it. But I knew once I got into it, I loved it. Now, you mentioned that you took a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. You were the MC at Mario Cristobal's press conference. Mm-hmm. Also, you were the MC, I think, Mark Richt and Manny Diaz, too. I yes. think. You <laughs> yeah. have, uh, I'm the in-house MC down there, yes. For the, for, the, for the hurricane fan that's watching and maybe sometimes the, the skeptical hurricane fan that's gone through the last 15 years and is waiting for the program to get back to the level that they grew up seeing, um, what is it about Cristobal, in your opinion, that has a different feel than the previous uh, coaches? I believe the different feel mm-hmm. is that the university has made a decision to make sure football is successful. The university mm-hmm. is committed to athletics. There's always been a certain level of commitment, but now they are totally committed to this program. That means financially doing whatever needs to be done financially, whatever funds need to be put into the athletic department at in every sport or but in football, you know, going out and getting the best coach available for the University of Miami, which was Mario Cristobal, going out and getting um, an athletic director that they felt could push Miami to the next level. And and providing the support. I think that's, that's one thing. And then, and I look at Mario personally and, you know, you, you go back to the Schnellenberger era mm-hmm. is that no one, no one ever was going to outwork a Howard Schnellenberger team. Mm-hmm. No one, none, nobody. And that's Mario Cristobal. No one is going to outwork Mario Cristobal. And just like coach Schnellenberger, right. Uh, Coach Schnellberger is a very bright man and was had coordinated Super yeah. Bowls and national titles and and had a, a, an unbelievable resume, maybe the best resume in the history of the game. And Mario has a very similar res, uh, resume with what he has accomplished. And you take where he's been, what he's done at the places he's been, you compile that with the work ethic and a vision, a vision that he has for this program. Because in my mind, nobody has more pressure on them in this world, even with a 10-year contract, than Mario Cristobal when he made the decision to come home to his university, to his hometown, and to resurrect a program to the point of where it was in its past. Right. And we want to mention that you just came from UM practice just now, just a few minutes ago. Right. And today is the first day of spring, of spring practice. What were some of the observations that you that you saw from that brief time? And obviously Miami's returning one of the top quarterbacks in the country in uh, Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, what are some of your expectations for this year's team? 
I expect that this will be a very well disciplined football team. I expect that there will not be a team that will be in better condition. I expect that they will play a full 60 minutes every single ball game, mm -hmm. and they're going to build on this foundation. They've got a, a very good quarterback in place. Coach Cristobal has put together as good a staff as there is in America. Mm -hmm. as, and maybe, maybe this staff, when you look at this staff 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you're going to say, this might have been one of the best staffs in, in the history of college football. I mean, you've got Charlie Strong and Kevin Steele and, and Coach Gladys, who came from, from Michigan, and, and, and Coach Mirabal, who, in my opinion, Miami's had a lot of very, very good offensive line coaches and great offensive line coaches. He's right in there. <laughs> is there's nobody that's going to be better coaching that position than him and he's he's and and everybody was cherry picked and everybody is got a an has an understanding of where they have to recruit where the, what their specialties are and coach Cristobal went out and hired the right staff and took his time i mean there were people that were wondering when are we going to get when are we get he did what he had to do we've we're the leadership in that building now is as good as it's ever been in the history of this program. And the, again, the university has made the commitment to make sure we have what what we need to win. Mm. Well, I want to I want to touch on uh, the on the future of the program. Where do you see Miami football four years from now? I see Miami football competing for national championships mm. today. Mm. Their mindset is to compete today. And I, and I mean that. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they're going to be in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that they will be in a position to win every game. And how is how? And people, well, how is that so? Because they have what they need, and they have what the elite teams have at their disposal. Whether it's strength and conditioning, whether it's nutrition, whether it's psychologically you've got right. it they're getting help whether academics whether it's it's the whole package you're not going there and being a football player you're going there to end up playing football at a very high level but learning how to do everything that's needed to be a success in life and on the football field but you know to put a put to put a date on a national championship right. is an impossible task and coach Snellenberger said it the best mm -hmm. Miami will win national championships, and the variable is time. Well, where we are today is the only variable is time because they are moving in a direction and, and in a fashion that they need to to compete for national championships. Now, finally, my last question is um, we, we've talked about how, the, how the, uh, the university is now investing a lot more into the football program than ever before. Correct. And one of, the, um, one of the boosters that we've been hearing about uh, recently, a gentleman named John Ruiz, talked about the importance of a new stadium closer to the campus. How do you feel about that, uh, about a proposed site in Tropical Park, or do you feel everything is fine over at Hard Rock Stadium? You know, that, that, that's something out of, out of my scope, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's to imagine Miami going to Tropical Park. If it's done right, it would be great, mm -hmm. right? I mean, uh, Hard Rock Stadium is a fantastic venue. I, you know, that's something I, I don't even know how to talk about it because it was hard enough for 
for Miami to, to leave the Orange Bowl. And then right. you're in hard rock. And now to talk about another stadium and how things have to be handled and done here uh, to make that happen. You know, if, they, if they're at a new stadium, everybody's going to go and we're going to hopefully, you know, we'll have we'll win and it'll be fantastic. If we're at Hard Rock Stadium, play Super Bowls there. You know, play right. national championships there. I mean, it, it's it's a great spot as well. And, you know, this program, the University of Miami is specifically the athletic department is in great hands. You know, President Frank made a decision that he was going to make sure that he put some people in place. And that was Rudy Fernandez and, and Joe Echeverria. And those men, those three men have, have, have pointed this program in another direction. They went and they hired uh, uh, Dan Radakovich, the athletic director, and then of course Mario Crispo, and you see what's going on. So everything is is on pace and moving in the direction that it has to. And you know, maybe the way to look at it is University of Miami will line up any place, anywhere, anytime, and we'll think we'll win. So. It doesn't matter what stadium it is. Right. It doesn't matter if it's on the road. It doesn't matter if it's here. But if they could build us a brand new stadium, I'll take it. Oh, well, Don, thank you so much for joining us. You've been a great guest. Um, best of luck to you in the future. And of course, you're also Miami's most famous carpet salesman. So we got to give you a plug. How can people get in touch with you if they need some carpeting? Well, just remember, it's not just carpet. It's carpet, it's tile, it's laminate, it's porcelain, it's wood. We do the right. whole floor nowadays. It started as carpet. Now we've graduated everything. It's very simple. Don Bailey flooring. We're, we're, we've got four locations, two in Dade and two in Broward. And we're open seven days a week, and we're here to help. Well, Don, thank you so much. Awesome guests as usual. And uh, for Miami's Community Newspapers, uh, I'm Jay Rao, and we'll see you again with another ghost from the Orange Bowl. Okay. That's never happened to me before. Okay. Well, you almost had me crying mm, on my coach, man. <laughs> wow. Still alive, by the way. Huh? It's still alive, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I'm just trying to end it, but it gives me an error. It's weird. Okay. Um, How long for us? I mean, we'll just have to take it off the internet and then edit it and then put it back up. Okay. Why is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah.